This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're good. Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Shir. Welcome to our home. The last Shir before Rosh Hashanah, and also the last Wednesday night Shir before Yom Kippur. This is the last Wednesday before Yom Kippur. So, as it's Hashem, uh, we thank the Yibam Hashem. He gave us a zechus to uh, come together this year, and as Hashem Hashem should give us the opportunity to come together again uh, next year in good health, and uh, Hashem should give us good ideas and good topics uh, to uncover the depth of the Torah HaKadoshah. Uh, the Shurim are sponsored by the Zakheim Mishpacha, by Dr. Mis- and uh, Dr. Zakheim and family, Lilo Nishmas, Rabbi Shleima Eliezer ben Harav Yaakov Zakheim, and by Dr. Zakheim's, Eli Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, Rivka Bas Tuvia, who I believe the Shleishim is tomorrow evening. And tonight's shir is sponsored by Rabbi Leibish Schwartz, Eli Nishmas' mother, Gita Rivka Bas, Rabbi Yudah Leibish, Allah Shalom, who is Niftar and Vav Elol, and the Shleishim is Zion. Tishrei, all the Neshamah Shavon Aliyah, the Melitza Yesharim for all their families, and the Asgoyal Tzedek. So we have a very interesting subject tonight. Uh, the subject is more relevant to Yom Kippur than it is Rosh Hashanah. Nevertheless, I think this will give us a deeper understanding of the Yom Hadin. And it will take it to a completely different level. Here's a question. The name of the uh, fast day, the holiest day of the year is Yom HaKippurim. Lashon Rabin. And Mepharshim are bothered, why do we say Yom HaKippurim, Lashon Rabin? It should be called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. What's Kippurim? Atonements. Why atonements? It should say Yom Kippur. This question is raised by the Baal Torah Tamima. The Torah Tamima wrote a commentary on Chumash. He is known as Rebaruch Halevi Epstein. He is the son of the Arch HaShulchan. He wrote a commentary on the Chumash. He was a controversial individual. He has many uh, controversial ideas in his farm, but he's a great Tamachacham and a student of the Lajan, a nephew of the Netziv, a son of the Archashulchan. And he wrote a commentary on the, on the Siddur called Baruch Sha'amar. And he's bothered by this question why is it called Yom Purim Lashon Rabim? It should be called Yom Kippur Lashon Yachad. So he offers the following two answers. He says as follows. He says, based on a pasuk in Yeshaya, Im yihu chatoichem kashonim kashelag yalbinu Im yihu im yadimu chatoilak atzemer yihu You ever hear that pasuk? We read it in the um, before Yom Kippurim. We say, if your sins will be red, they will turn white like snow. If they will be like crimson, they will turn into wool. Basically, God says, I'm going to wipe away your sins. But what's the metaphor? If it's going to be red, it will turn white like snow. If it will be like crimson, it will be like wool. Wow. What's the difference between red and crimson? What's the difference between snow and wool? So basically, the, the uh, Baruch Shamar, the Baal Tartimah says as follows. He says there are two kinds of sins. There's the young people who sin, old people who sin. Who's worse? Is it worse to sin when you're young or worse to sin when you're old? It's much worse to sin when you're old. Because when you're young, you're restless. 
You're the, the blood is boiling. It's a good thing uh, everyone's young over here. But the blood is boiling, and you have taiva and desire and kas, and you're, uh, you know, you're all. So it's understandable for a person to sin. And you have a lot to, to fight against. Once a person is old, and they're calmer, and their blood has settled, and they don't have as much desire, it's less understandable to sin. So therefore the Pasuk is saying, If your sins are red, Shani is just regular red, will turn white like snow. What's the whitest kind of white? The whitest kind of white is snow. Snow is the whitest kind of... Snow white is the whitest of all whiteness. The Mishnah says in the Gom, the whitest, the whitest shade of white is snow. So if you sin when you're young, and it's understandable that you sin, it's going to turn white like snow. But if you sin when you're old, then then it will only turn white like wool. So what do we see from here? There are different levels of kapara. If somebody sins uh, on a lower level, then there's a, a lot of kapara. If someone sins on a higher level, there's less kapara. So that means Yom Kippur does not atone across the board for everyone the same amount. It depends how serious the sin is. If the sin is not so serious, Yom Kippur makes you snow white. If, you, if the sin is very, if the sin is extremely serious, then, uh, then you're like you know, an old white shirt. You know, you're, like, you're not so white. So it says the, uh, the Baruch Sha'amar, from here we see that Yom Kippur does different things to different people, depending on the severity of the sin. Therefore, it's called Yom HaKippurim, Lashon Rabim, because it doesn't do the same thing for everyone. Furthermore, the Baruch Sha'amar says, there are certain sins and then there are other sins. If somebody sins just for themselves, they could get total kapara, they could turn snow white. But what if a chas v'shom, a person sins and they influence other people? Then the Gemara says, Kal harabim, ein maspikin tshuva. They, don't, they don't assist him to do tshuva. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it becomes much more difficult to do tshuva. So the Pasuk is read like this, Im kashanim, If your sin is red, red it's, what is shanim? It's red. Red is, it's inherently red, it can't make anything else red. So that's a sin, that's a sin for a person themselves, but they didn't influence anybody else. That will be kashela gyalbinu. Then you'll turn white like snow. But vim yadimu katoila, if you're like crimson, crimson is a, a dye, you influenced others, you colored others, then you're only going to turn white like wool. So again we see there are different levels of kapara. That's why it's called yom hakipuram. There's kapara for small sins, kapara for big sins. Kapara for small sins, you turn white like snow. Kapara for big sins, nah, you only turn like wool. I would add, a very simple idea. The Gemara in uh, Yuma says in Daf Pei Vav that Rabbi Shmuel taught, there are four levels of kapara. If somebody violates an assay, you don't even need Yom Kippur. You do tshuva, you do tshuva and you're atoned for it. Yom Kippur is not needed. So let's say somebody wakes up late and they say Shema after this man, so they remavato mitzvah saseh daraisa. So you do tshuva, you, you confess, and you regret, and you accept not to do it again, you're good to go. You're clean. Yeah, you're clean. What if somebody violates a love? So if somebody violates a love, so let's say somebody wore shatness, so then uh, tshuva suspends and Yom Kippur wipes it off. So you need tshuva and Yom Kippur. If somebody violates chayve krisos, 
then tshuva suspends. Yom Kippur suspends, but even Yom Kippur doesn't cleanse you. Somebody violates Krisos, the Gemara says, Chas Hashem, a person needs uh, more, more, more stronger detergent. Chas Hashem, a person would need Yisurim. But we've, we, fall, we look in Shas, and we see there are ways to get out of the Yisurim through Limad Torah, through Shmira Shabbos, through Chesed, what? perhaps. There, there are ways to get around the, uh, the, the other Yisurim. And then, uh, what? Filasapayim, Kriya Shema. And then if somebody violates Chol Hashem, Tshuva doesn't do it, Yom Kippur doesn't do it, Yisurim doesn't do it, Ad Yom Hamisa. So what do we see from here? Yom Kippur does different things for different sins. For Lavin, it wipes it out. For Chavei Krisos, it suspends it. For Chil Hashem, it delays it. So again, that could be another reason why it's called Yom HaKippurim, because it, there are different levels of Kapara for different sins. Yes? What, what, what's, the, what's the level of the wool? Come, come, come in. What? What's the level of, let's say, they go to that wool color? I mean, the snow white... Oh, the wool, right? Where the low are the low suspension? When is it? Which one's the wool one? Where it's it's a serious offense, but it's at the same time it's it's got some cleansing through it. Right. So, what would the analogy of wool be in my in my? Would that be best Maybe if let's say somebody violated Chayvei Krisus and they did tshuva and then Yom Kippur. But again, it's not totally cleansed. So you need, until the Yisurim come, you're only like, let's say, wool, until you have the added detergent to get you from uh, wool white to snow white. Maybe. That's my conjecture. from wool to snow? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. But um, the main mahalach that I want to share with you today is something I've been thinking about for a little while. I didn't have anything solid about this until the shir was ready to go, and then I added the final point. I think the final point is, uh, is something very significant. The Beis Yosef in Simon Tafresh Chaf Aleph, he quotes the Mordechai. And the Mordechai says that, you know, uh, the Minog Yisrael in almost every shul is they make an appeal on Yom HaKippurim. They usually make a, uh, a Yizkar appeal. Why? Says the Beis Yosef, to give tzedakah for mesim. You have to give charity for the dead. Where do we learn this from? From a sifri. It says by Egla Arufa. Kaper la'amcha Yisrael, atone for the Jewish people, these are the living. Asher padisa, these are the mesim. Melamed shahamesim tzrichin kapara. We see from here, the dead need atonement. In fact, the Reikach says, why do we... A uh, promise to give tzedakah for the mesim on Yom Kippur. There's an asnachta. Parshas tetzaveh ends with the subject of Yom Kippur. Parshas kisisa begins the nasnu ish koifar nafshay. What's the connection between Yom Kippur and giving tzedakah? You're supposed to give tzedakah on Yom Kippur for the mesim. By the way, if you look at number seven, toistus hashalim, we had a guest here on Shabbos, Rabbi. Avigdor Quinn of Chinuch So we had him here, and I uh, was talking to him. He told me his nephew wrote Kemoitzei Shalorav in Eretz Yisrael. His brother-in-law is uh, Machon Hara Frank, published the Mikroi Kodesh. 
And his father-in-law is Toysus HaShalim, published the Toysus in Anchomish. So anyway, Toysus says, what's the con- connection between the end of Tetzava and the beginning of Kisisa? The end of Tetzava talks about Yom Kippur, the beginning of Kisisa speaks about Tzedakah. You're supposed to give Tzedakah on Yom Kippur. Why? The Mesim need Kapara. Says the Roy Keach, what do you mean the Mesim need Kapara? How I'm giving Tzedakah, if the Mesim need Kapara, let them give, let them give Tzedakah. My credit card is maxed out. Let, let them use their credit card. So the says, but they can't. Mesim can't give Tzedakah. So how does my Tzedakah help for a different guy? So the Beis Yosef says this very interesting idea, that Hashem knows that this mace, if he would be alive, he would give tzedakah. And even if he's poor, if he would have money, he would give tzedakah. So since he would have, and I'm doing it, his would have, and my doing it, somehow combine. But the, the obvious question is, why does this mace need kapara? What does he need kapara for? Say so maybe for the things he did when he was alive. I mean, didn't he already get kapara? That's you know he went. There's an afterlife. There's a gehenna, and he got his kapara. What is the mace need kapara? What's going on? You're afraid that in the grave, he went over to the guy next to him. Hey, move over. You know, give me some more elbow space over here. This is you know, uh, it's a little bit tight over here. You know, you you got a bigger plot than I did. Get it, roll over. You know, your elbow. what exactly are you afraid the mace did? What did he do? He kicked the guy next to him. He, he stole some dirt from the guy. When the guy wasn't looking, he took some more comfortable hay and, and he put it under his foot. What, what, what are you worried about? I remember one time, in, uh, I was once a rub in a place and uh, one of the big jobs was um, officiating at unveilings. So one time uh, we went out to Long Island and I, I drove some old y- Yiddish Freyan to the cemetery and they were talking about where it's a good place to be buried and one of them said you know in this place it's so noisy it's a racket with the highway overneath and the other lady said Matilda when you're buried you don't hear the highway you know so what are we afraid the mace did already by the way there are a lot of things we do on Yom Kippur to um, bring kapara to the mason look in the Ramah number 4 why do we say Yizkar on Yom Kippur? Why? What are we remembering the Mason for? The dead have atonement on Yom Kippur. Says the Ramon, the Darkei Moshe. That's why it's called Yom HaKippurim. It's a day of atonement for the living, it's a day of atonement for the dead. By the way, Rashi's Talmud, the Master Vitri, also brings that we give tzedakah on Yom Kippur for the Mesim, so that the Mesim should get kapara. Now in general, aside from the fact that Yom Kippur is a day for the Mesim to get kapara, there are other times that we bring kapara to the Mesim. For example, on Shabbos, when you make a Kel Rachamim, the Beis Yosef says in Simon Reish Pei Dalet, that why do we make a Kelmali on Shabbos? Shabbos is a Yom HaMenucha. And even the Mesim are taking it easy on Shabbos. The rest of the week, they're very busy. They have to be go get, I don't know, they have to, whether they're in Gehenna or whatever they're doing. But on Shabbos, they're able to re- relax a little bit. So it's appropriate to remember them and to daven for them. And uh, that's why we, we're, we're Mavarech the Mesim and we're Mavarech the Oiske Tzarchit Sibar Be'amunah. And then the Beis Yosef says, 
I'm going to bring you a raya that the mesim need kapara, and therefore it's worthwhile to give tzedakah for the mesim. He quotes the Sifri about the um, Egla Arufa. By the way, you know, there's a, a, there's a sefer on the subject of Egla Arufa. It's a massive sefer on Egla Arufa Be'ion, written by Reb Chaim Knievsky. <laughs> We're learning now Orches Chaim of the Rosh. Yeah? So I got different perushim. I got um, Rav Goldberg, Rashiv of Tells, Rav Menashe Klein, the Toysus Yomtev. Then, then I said, you know, I have another one. Sure enough, Rav Chaim Knievsky wrote an extensive commentary on the Orches Chaim of the Rosh where he said, brings a makar for every single statement of the Rosh. It's amazing. Somebody in, in our generation, many people saw Rav Chaim Knievsky. Amazing. We're to have him in our generation. But the Beis Yosef says, quoting the Sifri, that if there's a murderer, then not only do the living need kapara, the dead need kapara. Kapara la'amcha Yisrael, elu achayim. Asher padisa, elu amesim. And therefore, likewise, you should give tzedakah for the mesim. And then the Beis Yosef says, maybe it's not a raya, maybe just the mesim are liable if there's a murder, but not if you give tzedakah, maybe it doesn't help them. The bottom line is, Klal Yisrael is noyeg, that we give charity for the poor. We uh, somehow neman, that mesim need kapara. So what? why do we break the neck of the Egel Arufa? Somebody asked me that when we got to uh, Pasha Shoftim. Somebody asked the question already. Yeah, someone asked me that. I have a, a note over here from Rav Eitan Feiner with very nice Maramakoimois. <laughs> Why we break the neck specifically. But uh, that's a very good question. Anyway, Mason let's talk halachically for a moment. What's halach if somebody brings a carbon chatas, somebody takes a cow, um, a sheep? And he's mafreshed as a carbon chatos, and then the owner dies. What do you do with that carbon? Yeah, you basically have to let it die. It's it's a chatos shemesu baleha. It's it's it doesn't do anything anymore. Why? The Gemara says in Hoyriyos, ain kapara lemesim. So this contradicts the whole uh, premise that Mesim need kapara. We know a carbon chatos. If the owner dies, you can't do anything with it because Mesim can't get kapara. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden asked this question in Sun Reish Peda, look at number 9. He said that's Milsa Achrita, that means they're not Mechuyuv in Kapara, but they could still get Kapara. There's a Minog on Yom Kippur. Stam, there's a, a Minog that we light the Neirois for the Mesim. The Ramah says that Bechei Gam Ner Neshama La'avav Le'imai says the Mishnah Bura, L'chaper Aleim. Yeah, that's every, everyone writes candles on Yom Kippur to Mechaper for Mesim. What do they need kapara for? By the way, another important halacha that's not so well known, and we usually say it every year, is aside from lighting a candle for a mesim, if Baruch Hashem, both your parents are alive, you light another candle for yourself. And that's called the ner neshama. So if somebody has to light a yardside candle, they light for the relative, and an additional one for themselves. Every married man lights a candle for themselves, on Yom Kippur. It's called a Ner Bari, a Gazunt Lecht, a Ner Neshama. That's, every, every person lights that. And perhaps you need a third one for Havdalah. So that means a minimum of two. And uh, if somebody has to light the yard side. Okay, so let's understand. Right, in, in other words, if for whatever reason, Mason need Kapara, 
For how long do they need kapara? Forever? Every single Yom Kippur? What, every year we worry he elbowed the guy next to him? What if we make sure that he's in a metal cage, right? And he can't, he can't elbow the guy next to him. So then, then he doesn't, we don't have to light. Exactly. For how long we're going to see? I think it's going to come out of very big, uh, interesting nafkamina. Let's talk about a Gemara and Makos for a moment. What's the halacha if somebody kills Meshoigeg? How long do they have to stay in the air miklat for? Ad, meis, kaingon, until kaingon dies. What happens if the guy dies first? Where do you bury him? In the Ari miklat. But the guy bought a $25,000 plot on Harazisim. And now he has to be buried in, uh, I don't know, in Shechem. The guy, he has a plot waiting for Marzisim next to his whole family. He's stuck in the Ari Miklat. Sham Tikar, he has to be buried in the Ari What if the guy dies, and they bury him, and then the Kohen Gadol dies? We, we exhume him, and we take him to his ancestral plot. Says Rasha, oh, really? That's a Raya, makes him get Kapara. Because until the Kohen Gadol died... He, he had to be in the Mikla, he had to get Kapara there, and then once the Kohen Gadol dies, he gets Kapara even as a mess. So we see, says Rashash in Marcus Yiraf on the base, Muchach de Gamla Oh, it's a Raya to the Ramah, you should light a candle for a mess on Yom Kippur. So, a few weeks ago, I don't know, maybe, um, maybe about six weeks ago, I was leaving the city of Lemberg. And uh, there was so much traffic, we were not able to go to the destination that we wanted to, which is a monument for the Taz, Shalomeshev, Chacham Tzvi, the Sma, and the Yeshua Yaakov. And I said, we have to go. We, we came to Lemberg, not to be in Lemberg, to go. And uh, people were, no, we can't go, we're going to miss the flight. And I was thinking, so we'll miss the flight, this is what we came. So we went in a taxi, and, and they were saying, no, we're going to miss the flight, we're going to miss the flight. And I was davening, I came the other end of the world to get to this monument. Get, please get us. And the last moment, the taxi driver says, you know what, I think I know how to go. He, he went through the streets. He said, go to the end of this narrow alleyway after the hospital. Run. So we did it. We ran. And we came to the kever of the Yeshua Siakov. And here we have it on the sheet. We have it on the sheet. Yeshua Siakov of Yaakov Ornstein. And he has one very simple question. Let's say you have a guy. He fasted on Yom Kippur. And not only did he fast on Yom Kippur, he stayed up all night. And not only did he stay up all night, he said the whole Tehillim. And not only did he say the whole Tehillim, he pledged money by the Kol Nidre appeal, by the Yizgar appeal, by the Ne'il appeal. Not only that, the guy stood on his feet for 24 hours. The only thing he didn't do is he didn't do tshuva. What has this Yom Kippur done for this guy? Zero. Nothing. He'll get schar for standing, I guess. And maybe... But he won't get any kapara. Yom Kippur does nothing if you don't do tshuva. That's, now, not everybody agrees to that. Rebbe holds, Rebbe holds the day itself as mechaper. By the way... There's a chiddush in uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Achanan, in the Shas Shuvas Nachal Yitzchak. He says the Gemara says in Ksubis that on the day that Rebbe passed away, a Baskal cried out that anyone who came to Rebbe's funeral will go straight to Olam Haba. What's the pshat? Because the Gemara says Misas Tadikim Mechaperas. 
Now, how is Misa Sadiqim Mechaperes? L'chayra like Yom Kippur. So if you hold like Rebbe, Misa Sadiqim is Mechaper even without Tshuva. If you hold like the Rabbanon, Misa Sadiqim is only Mechaper with Tshuva. There's an Indian that on the day someone dies, we follow them. So on the day Rebbe died, we follow him, that Itzuma Shaya Mechaper, and therefore Misa Sadiqim is Mechaper by itself. So Yeshua Siakov says a similar kind of idea. You ready for this? He wants to know, how do Mesim get Kapara on Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur does nothing without Tshuva. And Mesim can't do Tshuva. Right? Mesim can't do Tshuva. So if Mesim can't do Tshuva, what does Yom Kippur do for them? Says Yeshua Siakov, why does Yom Kippur only work if you do Tshuva? Because if a guy is, is experiencing Yom Kippur and he doesn't do tshuva, then it's like he's being brazen. He's saying, I'll sin, and Yom Kippur will take care of me. But we know Yom Kippur doesn't do anything if you don't take advantage of the mitzvah sayoim. So someone who's alive and has the opportunity to do tshuva, if he doesn't do tshuva, Yom Kippur does nothing. But a mess is not able to do tshuva. And since a mess is not able to do tshuva, Yom Kippur is mechaper by itself. Itzumar shoyoim mechaper. Now, like Yossi asked, so how many Yom Kippurs does this mess need? Yeah? So he says like this, very rarely is someone pass away right after Yom Kippur. Most people pass away in between Yom Kippurim Yom Kippurim from in between, right? Now, whatever Averis you did before the last Yom Kippur, so the last Yom Kippur of a person's life is Mechaper. But what's Mechaper, the final five, six, seven, eight, nine months of life? The, those nine months, you're up the creek without a paddle because the rest of your life you had Yom Kippur to be Mechaper. What about all the time you lived after the last Yom Kippur? So for that, the issue, as Yaakov says, you have Yom Kippur after a person dies. That Yom Kippur is Mechaper without Tshuva for the last part of their life. Now, who are we to even be on what the Yeshua Yaakov says, but it's hard to understand this approach because then it would come out. Or, or a big uh, tzaddik died. If what? A big tzaddik died in between. Could, uh, or if a big tzaddik died in between. Correct, right. 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 But according to this approach, it would come out that if somebody died six months into the year, yeah, you only need one Yom Kippur, and after that, you don't have to light the, the candle anymore for the guy. In other words, uh, this could save people a lot of money. Here's a guy, hey, how come you're not giving for the Yom Kippur appeal? So what are you talking about? The mess, he died 79 years ago, I only gave year one. Why are you lighting a yardside candle? For what? Uh, he only needs the first Yom Kippur. Maybe. In other words, if it's only you need the first Yom Kippur, so after the first Yom Kippur, you're good to go. It doesn't seem like there's an idea that Mason need Yom Kippur, only the first Yom Kippur. Did you ever hear there's something special about the first Yom Kippur? I never heard of such a thing. According to the Shuas Yaakov, it comes out, all you should need is the first Yom Kippurim. And the first year they don't even do a Yiskar, right? Some don't even do a Yiskar. Some don't even wear a Kittel. So th- this is very hard to understand that Mesim need Kapara for the last year of their life, then it would come out that only for the first Yom Kippur, not after that. 
So there's a very interesting idea brought in the Sefer, Devir HaKodesh. And he quotes the Gemara in Hariyaz Dav Zayin. We said, Chata Shemesu Baleha, Karma Chata said the owner died, the, we let the animal die because Mesim don't get Kapara. Says the Gemara, this idea that Mesim don't get Kapara is only if an individual sins. But what if it's the carbon Chatas of the Tzibor? And then a bunch of people die. You still bring the carbon chatas. Why do you still bring the carbon chatas? Because the tzibur can never die. There's a concept only an individual could die. The tzibur can never die. So the chatas of a yachid becomes obsolete when the bailam died. The chatas of a tzibur could still be brought. So from here we see there are two kinds of kapara needed. You need kapara as an individual. You need kapara as part of the tzibur. So it could be this idea that Mesim need Kapara on Yom Kippur. As individuals, perhaps they can't get Kapara. But as part of the Tzibur of Klal Yisrael, they could get Kapara. Rav Shloimi told me that he asked a very good question. He once asked, Rabbi Saul Reisman Shlita, that we do Kaparas even for an Ubar. What, do you, what, do you, what, are the, what does the Ubar need Kaparas for? So maybe you say because Paco by the Ubar, they are kicking, you know, move over, I need some more space. They, you know, they make the mother uncomfortable. In fact, I once recently read about one of the great Rebbes that when they did Shuva for uh, hurting their mother. Okay. But, and Rabbi Sol Reisman said, first of all, maybe they need to do tshuva for a chatam they did in a previous Gilgal. Yeah, but that, well, that won't apply to a mesim, because the mesim already got kapara. What was the other answer? It's an atonement for the Jewish people. Oh, so that's similar to this answer. They, they get kapara as part of the tzibor of Klal Yisrael. Here's another idea, and then I'm going to tell you what I think is emes uh, amitoi. I didn't find anybody who says it, maybe because it's just so obvious. I hope that's the reason. I think it's, I think it's very uh, true. Does anybody remember the Gemara? Rebbe Lezer of Shimon was, after he died, he was lying in the attic for 22 years. And they wanted to see whether worms would rule over him. Or he was like such a tzaddik, worms couldn't eat him. And no worm touched him, except for at the end of 22 years, a worm came out of his ear. And he said, you know why the worm came out of his ear? Because one time he heard someone criticize the Tamar Chacham and he didn't speak up. That's the Gemara. So the Pikudecha Havineni asks, I have a question. Why did he only get this kapara after 22 years? What exactly happened? In year 1, the worm didn't eat him. Year 2, the worm didn't eat him. Year 17, the worm didn't eat him. What happened in year 22 that the worm ate him? He didn't protest when he was alive. So he didn't protest when he was alive. He wasn't punished, presumably, because Yom Kippur was mechaper. So what happened in year 22, that 22 years later, all of a sudden, he needed a kapara? So he says a very uh, profound idea. We know Hashem, the greater someone is, the holier they are, the more Hashem is exacting with them. Hashem is medaktek, b'tzadikim, k'chod hasara. So in year one, now tzadikim, after they die, they go mechayel el They go higher and higher and higher. Aliyas neshama, aliyas neshama, aliyas neshama. 
So in year one, Reb Lezer Reb Shimon was on a very high level, but not on a high enough level that the Rebbe would have found fault with him for that minor infraction of the situation where he should have protested, and therefore he didn't need Kapara then. And he's moving higher and higher and higher and higher, until after 22 years, he was so great, La'achar Misa, that now he needs Kapara. He didn't need Kapara before, because he wasn't on a high enough level that this would be uh, something that the Rebbe would hold him accountable for. So then it would come out, like the Yeshua, we could put this together with the Yeshua Siyakov. We asked on the Yeshua Siyakov, where we said, according to Yeshua Siyakov, that Mesim need Kapara for the Averois they did at the end of their life, they didn't have a Yom Kippur for, so then all they should need is one Yom Kippur. So it could be, as the years progress and somebody raises and gets a greater in, in Madrega, then they need more of a Kapara. Now I want to share with you an idea. This is the game changer. This is the this is the site of the night. This hit me right. I already put Maramukam number nineteen on the sheet, and I thought, okay, it's an interesting share. You know, the dead getting cut. It's interesting share. This is the clincher. I remembered in my machzar, and you know the. The, the Machser, which has a translation of each line from Rav Birnbaum, right? He brings a lot of things there from the Ramchal and from Rav Chaim Friedlander. And I remember he said on Zechroinois, Ata zoicher maase oilam ufoiket ko yitzurike adem vonech niglu kol talumais I remember he said this idea that on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem doesn't just judge the living. Hashem judges every blade of grass, every animal, anybody who ever existed, even Mason. I remember he brought this idea from the Ramchal that Hashem judges the Mesim on Rosh Hashanah. So I said, wait a second. If God is judging the Mesim, then whatever reason they need to be judged might supply us with a reason why they need Kapara. So I said, why was it? And then I remembered he said, and he quoted the Ramchal, but actually the Ramchal doesn't say this. The Reb Chaim Friedlander says this. You know why Mesim need Judgment? Because whatever judgment they got last Russia, they say, why do Mason need judgment? What did they possibly do? The guy's lying in his grave. He's chilling out the whole year. He hasn't moved an iota. You know that? He's still there. He's on Harmanuchais. He has not moved. He hasn't flinched. What does he need to be judged for? You know why? Says Abchaim Friedlander. Because that person had friends who he sat next to in Shul. And he had children, and he had grandchildren, and he had people who he knew, and people who knew him. And he influenced people in his lifetime, for good and for bad. And whatever the repercussions were last year, Rosh Hashanah, Tavshin Pei, millions of more mitzvahs were done. Perhaps millions of Averos were done because of this guy. So we rip up last year's judgment. And we judge the guy again based on his actions, not of this year, of what he did when he was alive. 
Because whatever judgment we came out last year is irrelevant now. Because you know how many more things, the ripple effect, the reverberations of this person's lifetime are completely different this year than they were last year. Look at number 21. The Sifsei Chaim says, Hashem examines every act that was ever done from the beginning of time. Meaning, yeah, a person might have done an Avera and it was judged last year. It will be judged again this year. Because Upaikeid kol Yitzurei Kedem. Hashem judges man, every man that lived from Bria Sa'ilam, even though they died. Ask Reb Chaim, Lechera Yipla, Hari Amesim Kvani Dainu B'Maisim, they already judged. V'din Rosh Hashanu Le'elu Achayim Adena. Isn't the Din Rosh Hashanu for those who are alive? The answer is, but the person has children, grandchildren, Talmidim, friends, acquaintances. Somebody saw how he davened. Either Lataiv or Lamutav. And last year, there were 400 mitzvahs because of him. Now there are 5,000. So we have to, maybe we need to give him more reward. Or maybe we have to give more punishment. It's almost as if whatever God decided for a human being who existed last year, it's irrelevant now. Well, what is irrelevant? The, the reverberations have exploded exponentially in the last 365 days. And therefore, God revisits judgment on every single person who ever lived. So what's the question why Mason need Kapara? There's a question. Why Mason need Kapara? We ask, what they do in the last 365 days? The answer is, they didn't do anything, but the ripple effect of their Mason is exploded exponentially. And I think we could humbly suggest that's why Yom Kippur is Yom Kapara for Mesim also. That's why Mesim need Kapara. What do you mean? They had last year. The Yeshua Yaakov says they had last year. What does last year got to do with anything? You know how many more? <laughs> this year there's a new generation. There are more people. The ripple effect, you know, the ping pong effect of this person's lifetime had tremendous repercussions. And I think this is something to bear in mind in general, um, to heighten awareness of our mysim in our lifetime. That whatever we do today, whatever we think, whatever we say, whatever we do in our life, it's not like, okay, Hashem will judge us, and then, it's, then, then we're finished. Our lifetime has eternal reverberations until the end of time. There's no end. Chazal say, Tzadikim b'misasam, ein lohem menucha. Tzadikim have no rest in the afterlife. Every day they're going up and up and up and up. So we, we know that everything we do has eternal consequences. But this takes it to a whole different level. Every act that we do will be examined again and again and again. What will the repercussions be of what we did in our life? Latoiv ulamutav. And that's part of the ema and part of the reverence of the Yom Naram. Thinking about somebody could be already messed 3,000 years ago. And all of a sudden he thinks he's chilling out, he's resting comfortably under comfortable shade in the Holy Land on top of a mountain. He has, he already elbowed out all the people next to him. He thinks he's all, no, 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 no. Who's there? It's the Bezim Shema. Again? Pal, you haven't seen anything yet. We, were, we just got going last year. 
aware of this is that the sandals is always tikkunim. Orchestrates that people get their their tikkun, but nevertheless, this is an idea that I think the Anshe Knesset are conveying. Hashem doesn't just judge those who are alive; Hashem judges those who are not alive. But that means even for us, Hashem. This year we'll be rejudging everything we did in our entire life and what the repercussions of that and what the effects are and how we try to correct it and what we were able to do to try to enhance our influence on other people. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us the Siyata Deshmaya to, to understand with conviction how everything we think, everything we say, everything we do has great reverberations throughout the world, throughout the universe, affects our friends, affects our family, affects our chaverim, affects our neighbors. And Bezos Hashem, if we live with that kind of awareness, then we should all be zoicha, Bezos Hashem Yisbarach, to Ashana, Toivum Mubarechas, good health, Gezint, Nachas, Parnasa, Aliyah, Baruchnias, Vimali Hashem, Komishal Sin Latoiva, Agaben Shiyark, Sivachim Latoiva. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.